there. Uh, welcome to SaaS Group Live AMA. Today we're talking about building an MVP podcast to drive sales with Jason Bradwell, co-founder of uh, B2B Better and the host of B2B Better podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Anna. It's great to be here. Really good to see you here. Give us some podcasting wisdom, uh, but let's go in first with um, with the intro and tell me a little bit more about your background, what's B2B Better and how does B2B Better podcast kind of work with, with the whole story? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Jason. I run a uh, podcast marketing agency called B2B Better. Um, we really specialize in servicing uh, B2B tech companies, um, predominantly um, companies that they may have a product at their core, but that product is usually packaged with professional and managed services, um, in turn producing a kind of custom bespoke um, technology solution. We've been doing this for the best part of a year now. Um, and it really was born from this idea that when you're selling into enterprise, or when you're selling, when you're selling services and solutions into enterprise, you know, really what you're selling is your expertise. Um, a lot of the clients that we work with, um, and that approach us for podcasts, they're working in what we would consider complex or commoditized industries So complex in the sense of it's not something you're going to necessarily read on a, on a web page and then hit the buy now button. Um, there's going to be a much longer sales cycle, a much, much more complex buying committee involved in that purchase decision or commoditized in the sense of, you know, there are many other service providers that look and sound just like them. And so when you're in that kind of situation, um, it's less about relying on the kind of features that you have to offer and more about the expertise and thought leadership that you can bring to the table and how those features are going to be applied specifically to the problem, the, the, the bespoke problem that your, your prospective customer is experiencing. And so with all that being said, if the aim of the game is to demonstrate expertise and build credibility and build confidence that you are the right provider for the client, then a podcast, in our opinion, is one of the best marketing channels that you can leverage in order to demonstrate that. Like where else can you put a microphone in front of your CEO, your CTO, your COO, your VP of sales, your head engineer, whoever, and allow them just to show what makes you special, what makes you unique, why your perspective on the industry is worth listening to, and in turn, build confidence uh, in your ability to solve problems that way. And so that's exactly what we do. And we look at podcasts from development, you know, what is the target that we're trying to hit with this, not in terms of downloads, but in terms of outcomes? Is it you know, developing more client testimonials, case studies with our existing customer base? Is it running an account-based marketing program to enable sales to elevate their prospecting? Is it better activating trade show events? What is the outcome we're trying to, 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 to leverage um, or to deliver? What is the premise of the show? Who is the target audience? What does the distribution strategy look like? All of that high-level strategic thinking, thinking that a VP of marketing or CMO would do, um, we apply that to the podcast as a strategy. We do all the production work, um, as the name would suggest, the creation of the episodes themselves, the social artifacts, et cetera. And then we also run the distribution um, at, at the end. And um, yeah, that's basically B2B Better in a nutshell. All right. So that's that's a full circle. I, I want that. <laughs> yeah. Podcast is a lot of work. Uh, but uh, yeah, how? Um, what about your own podcast, B2B Better podcast? Uh, and, you know, I've, I've tuned in to quite a few episodes and I love them. Uh, how does it work for you? Like, what exactly is it for B2B better? Is it just purely brand awareness? Like, what what is your strategy there? So what is B2B better, the podcast? What, is it, what does it mean for the business, the services business? Um, so the podcast was really born as a, as a COVID hobby. Um, I was alone at home and I needed something to do. And so I started talking to people online as you do. And um, I eventually just started recording those conversations with B2B marketers and putting it out there as a podcast. It's really evolved over time to being one of the main sources of new business for, for my agency. Um, I put part of that down to the fact that I've been running it for you know the best part of three years now. Um, I put it down to the fact that you know from a 
premise perspective and from a formatting perspective, it's a bit different to other B2B marketing podcasts. Um, you know, we have a very clear question we're trying to answer on that show. What does modern day B2B marketing look like and how we package these episodes? Um, it's more narrative driven than it is simply a Q and a style, uh, podcast interview. Um, and I think in creating a show with that format, it gives us much more of an opportunity to, um, kind of react and build upon what's being shared by our guests. So offering, you know, a slightly enhanced perspective. Um, and I'll be honest, it's been on a bit of a hiatus for the last couple of months as we've been kind of dealing with a few other things within the business because, you know, we've, we've been growing. Um, but we're coming back nice and strong next week um, and we'll be back into our weekly cadence from that point. Um, I will say that the podcast is the sole reason that any of this exists in terms of my business. Um, without it, I certainly would not be where I am today. It's just been a huge net positive value add, both in terms of my career and my life um, since starting it back in August of 2020. Right. I mean, running a podcast is exciting. Like every time uh, I even, you know, feel like, oh goodness, like it's 10 p.m. here, right? It's my third podcast of the day. And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> uh, but you know, once the camera is on, it just gives you so much energy because like you're sharing your knowledge with people, you're uh, listening to their stories, you're digging a little bit deeper into what they're working on and you know, how you could apply it to your business and how um, valuable it could be. Um, it's, it's really thrilling. It's an adventure. And um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like it's value add for, for us, definitely. So um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing your experience. So a lot of companies are coming to you um, to create their podcast, right? And you, you've just explained so many like reasons that you see companies um, have to you know, to start a podcast and I, I will share like our reasoning behind it uh, a bit later, but um, when companies come to you or founders come to you, what is the usual, if there's any like narrative, any trend that you see, what is kind of the usual ask? Like we want a podcast, why? Yeah. And that why question is so important and it's where we start every single project. And if we cannot get to a point where with the client, we understand the why behind the podcast, we won't move forward. I'm very deliberate in saying that we are not a podcast production agency. We are a podcast marketing agency. And that's because great production definitely has a huge amount of value, but ultimately it's not going to drive a business outcome in of itself, right? There needs to be a comprehensive understanding behind the launch of a podcast on what is the what is the target that we're trying to shoot for how are we going to develop a strategy that is going to allow us to um uh meet that target and why is this strategy the right one to pick amongst all the other marketing channels and types of content marketing content that we that we could be creating and so usually when we start working with clients and we say, well, why do you want to launch a podcast? It's usually brand awareness. Okay. And that's a good place to start, you know, um, but you have to start peeling back the layers, you know, of, okay, well, what does brand awareness really mean for your business, right? Is it being known by every single potential buyer that is available to you? Um, is it being known by a very specific subset of your target market because we're expanding into a new space is it letting our existing client base know more about what we do you know we worked with one solutions provider who was so big and they serve so many different clients across so many different spaces that just helping educate you know their existing clients on well here's what we do and here's what makes us special that in of itself was a brand awareness exercise that a podcast could help them uh, achieve and so, you know, it's not enough just to say brand awareness, it's peeling back the layers to, okay, well, what is the outcome that that brand awareness is going to enable us to uh, acquire? And then putting in place the right kind of metrics that are going to allow us to track in the short, medium and long term, are we making progress towards that 
kind of North Star that we set out right at the very beginning. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, I, and I mean, for, for, for us too, it was, uh, it was absolutely the same. I think we started with that, you know, idea of brand awareness. But ultimately, you know, the goal is to, to talk to the founders because we, we, we buy SaaS companies, right? So we talk to SaaS founders and we want to know, you know, what they're struggling with, like what they, what they like, what they don't like, how they like to build a relationship with potential buyers of their, of their businesses, what they care about if, you know, they're already in the talks with those potential buyers and you know what could be a deal breaker for them so it's kind of like for us i guess it's also a market research uh which is you know which is great and also it's it's all about relationship building which is again a big part of the business we're in um you go on a podcast and then you know you might run into each other on the conference and it kind of snowballs a little bit and then whenever you hear that you know maybe a founder wants to sell their company or they remember that, oh, you know, SaaS Group was that one company that actually buys uh, SaaS businesses, I might, you know, reach out. So that's that's a really good start of a conversation. And it's also in terms of what I mentioned as like market research, right? When we talk to founders, it's also like a vibe check, right? Because like we're building... Um, a company with a certain culture and we want to make sure that every company that we buy kind of aligns with that culture and mm. a founder is you know that main person that built that culture in the first place so if you think that you know this is a great person i would definitely want to work with them and then you know they have a great company, they have, you know, great metrics, they're asking for the right price and all that. Everything aligns and boom, here you go. So yeah, podcast is this like yeah. first magical step. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a moment creator. And I think when you're selling particularly into enterprise, it's all about creating moments, right? Creating moments where you can engage and nurture your prospective customers. And so your point there about trade shows, you know, it's a great one because mm. a podcast can be leveraged at a trade show to, you know, enable the furthering of a sales of a sales journey. And so what I mean by that is we had one client, you know, they'd been running a trade show, a very particular trade show with the same playbook for years. It was simply, we get a booth, we invite prospects to that booth, we pitch them, they leave, you know, jobs are good. And so we worked with them on helping them think more strategically around that booth and how it could become a content creation opportunity. Yes. And so that's as simple as just recording podcast episodes on the booth whilst we're there and we can build a pipeline of content that's going to see us through the next three to six months in a matter of days. But also, how can we use that then to equip our sales team with another, another tool when they're prospecting in advance of that show to make more connections, to create more moments with their with their target list. So instead of leading with a, hey, do you want to come onto our booth and we'll serve you a cup of crappy coffee and then we'll tell you about our solution? It's a, hey, do you want to come on our booth? We are recording a bunch of back-to-back -back interviews with executive leaders like yourself to tell us what's happening in the space. And we're going to publish that across from the show and then from across our platforms, you know, over the next two, three months. The conversion rate between those two asks, you know, you don't even need to see the data to know that one is going to be performing arguably better than than the other. And so that's just one example of how, you know, a podcast can be used in, in similar to the ways that you've described to just create these opportunities, these moments where you can create a relationship, nurture a relationship, convert a relationship into, into a paying customer. Yes, it takes time. And I just want to say, I think anyone who's looking at a podcast as a, as a, as a revenue driver needs to do so with the mindset that these things take time. And as I mentioned at the beginning, B2B Better only started meaningfully generating revenue, like attributable direct revenue for my business after, you know, 18 months, two years of publishing it with a consistent cadence. That doesn't mean that you can't track commercial milestones in the lead up to that point, but don't expect that you'll 
publish your first three episodes and suddenly the leads will come rolling in and you'll be you know swimming in cash it, it does take time but with the right strategic long-term thinking it can definitely have an impact on the bottom line oh yeah absolutely and i mean i loved that uh you also mentioned content like how much content could one episode give you it's mm incredible like if you have one episode of the podcast you can repurpose it in 50 different ways and you can start new conversations and you can i don't know you can uh, rewrite it as a blog post you can do carousels you can do i don't know memes whatever uh it's yeah it's great especially if you're i think bootstrapped if you are you know a little bit short on like people in your team having a podcast is golden opportunity to just like have a ton of content with a fraction of the time. Um, but about the time, thank you for, <laughs> for mentioning it too. I mean, uh, at some point people started asking like, oh, you know, it seems like the podcast is, is uh, going well for you guys. We're kind of thinking about launching it too. How much time roughly do you spend on like one episode and could you like give us a timeline what takes what and i'm like well okay like where do you start do you start with like approaching a potential guest and then you know mm -hmm. until the closing them basically that could take days weeks months you know uh it's it's not mm -hmm. a no until it's a no basically then you know research, recording, editing, distributing, it's a ton of work. And like you said, mm. sometimes people just think, oh yeah, I'll just go in front of the camera and it's going to work. So, and your, like, what for you personally, right? For B2B better and for the podcast that, um, that, that you're launching for your clients, how long does it take basically to create one episode? Mm. Yeah, it's a great question, and there's no, there is no one answer. Unfortunately, it depends on so many different factors. Um, you know, what is, what is the content of the show? What is the format of the show? Um, what is the, you know, distribution of the show? Like all of that is going to um, play a role in determining how long you actually spend on a, on a single episode. Um, but ultimately, it comes back again to, you know, what is the goal here? Like, what is the why behind launching this show? You know, you can stand up a very easy, simple. MVP minimum viable podcast with relatively little effort. You know, if the goal, for example, is just to prove the concept of a show, like that we can create content at a regular cadence that um, is conveying a certain message, um, you know, you you could reach out to your immediate network like of people that you want to speak to people who already know who you are and are willing to kind of give you the time you could you know spend an hour doing that you could spend half an hour actually scheduling the interviews you could spend an hour running the interviews you could spend maybe two hours editing the podcast and then you know maybe two hours again creating and distributing the assets that you're going to need to promote it right and so all in you spend about half a day or so getting just a single episode up and up and ready it's not going to necessarily be of the highest quality production wise it's maybe not going to be distributed as far and wide as it possibly could be but you know if you have a very clear goal in mind of like i just want to see if we can get something ship something out um that is worth listening to as quickly and as cheaply as possible it doesn't need to take a huge amount of time money or, or resource longer term you know and depending on the the this the the size and, and the scope of your objectives obviously it you know that's gonna that's gonna increase the level of commitment that you need to put into it and you're right i think what puts a lot of people off from launching a podcast is the perceived amount of time it's going to take to actually stand something up over over the long term i will say that there are plenty of resources out there that can help you do um a better and quicker job um, both in terms of tools and in people. Um, obviously, we've got a podcast marketing agency at B2B Better. I would say that we are a, a, a really good fit for someone who's looking to, you know, outsource almost everything. So, you know, the strategy through to the production, through the distribution, they want to kind of get that head of marketing, VP of marketing, you know, mindset into into the company and apply that to the launch um 
uh, and distribution of a podcast with a very clear marketing objective in mind. But that is a kind of premium product. It's it's not going to fit everyone. If you want to handle the strategic thinking in in house, um, and really you just need like executional resources. Plenty of production agencies you could go out there and work with, even freelancers. There's so much good talent. Um, Upwork, Fiverr, LinkedIn. You know, you can you can stand up like a um, remote team at relative offshore team at relatively low cost who can just focus on the production side of things. Um, but how long does it take? You know, it's 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 as long as it needs to take, right? Um, in order to get what you want out there, out there into the world. It does get quicker with, with time and with practice. You start building up processes internally um, that s- streamline things. Just today, for example, I was talking with, with a member of my team um, about a process we have regarding, you know, first edits, second edits, client edits, you know, tools that we're using to do those first two rounds of edits, Audition, Premiere Pro, what have you client edits moving into Descript. And we noticed that there was a bit of a, a break in the transfer between, you know, Premiere Pro and Audition to Descript. And it's like, okay, well, if we move that part of the process a little bit earlier on, then it's going to save us 15, 20 minutes every time we're exporting and importing these videos across different platforms. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think of that right off the bat, but because we've done so much of this now, we're starting to see the patterns of like what what's causing us friction. Okay, we can start to optimize and you can get there too if you're running all of this in-house. It just takes time. This episode is sponsored by Rewardful.com. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay affiliates based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Building a successful affiliate program can be a little bit intimidating figuring out where to get started. That's where Rewardful has taken what they've observed from their most successful customers' affiliate programs and distilled that into an exclusive online course. The exciting part? Their affiliate marketing course is absolutely free. And by joining the waitlist today, you'll get early access to it as soon as it goes live. Join the waitlist at rewardful.com slash course, rewardful.com slash course, and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of people who, who've heard that would be like, Oh, you're just saving like 15 minutes, but Hey, like if, if you're working on a ton of podcasts and I just calculated how many videos we're shipping with, with SaaS and Bound and AMAs, and it's 36 videos per month. Uh, so it's more mm-hmm. than one per day. Right. I mean, just 36, uh, multiplied by 15 by 20, I cannot do this math so quickly, <laughs> but still like, it's a lot of time, right? Um, 720. So yeah, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah you're right. Um, it's, but, um, yeah, it's the, the thing I'd say is like, you know, to your point earlier about how a podcast can be repurposed across like multiple different channels. It's one of the reasons why I love the format, both audio and video is that it's much easier to take in my opinion, that content and, repurpose it into the written form than it is to go from the written form into video and audio. However, I think we need to caveat all of this by saying just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? Just because you can take a podcast and turn it into a blog post and a series of LinkedIn posts and a series of posts for your CEO to be publishing and the transcript and a potential YouTube video and you know, email sequence, et cetera. Like just because you can, doesn't mean that you should go out and do all of those things. Like particularly in the early days, because it can become suddenly very overwhelming, right? Better to say, okay, we're going to focus on creating a piece of content that's got some resonance. Like it's worth listening to because we've got great guests talking about really interesting subjects. And we're going to pick like one, like, distribution channel, one repurposable asset in addition to the podcast episode itself. And we're going to fucking nail that, right? And what we're looking at is these milestones 
once we've hit those milestones by this time frame, that gives us the confidence that, okay, we can start investing in a team member, in a tool, in a whatever, to start exploring that other channel. And if if we don't hit those milestones, we can kind of then evaluate, okay, is it a problem with the content? Is it a problem with the channel? Is it a problem with our execution? What is it? I would, I would, I would start in one place. And that again comes back to your why, like where should you start? Um, what is the goal here? Um, nail it or, or, or just justify it and then move on to other things. Um, once you've got that kind of base level of like validity underneath you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree with you, but it's just uh, the fact that, you know, you can do it. That fascinates me so much. Like, you know, even if sometimes you're like, oh my God, like, what am I going to post? What, like, what to do? There's so much you can do with just one, with just one podcast, with just one episode, or, you know, a cadence of uh, a few episodes that you can, um, make into, I don't know, whatever lists and, and, and carousels and whatnot. So, um, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for mentioning that. And I also wanted to comment on the fact that, yeah, a lot of people also asked about like the hardware and, and the tools that, that you could or should use for, uh, for a podcast. And I remembered the first podcast I launched and it was just the headphones, just, just like this ones and my computer and nothing else. I had no software, uh, that I used. I just, you know, it was all in one take, no editing whatsoever. And it was just, yeah, just focusing on the content, just focusing on the questions that were, uh, asked and that was it. Uh, so yeah, if you have something to talk about and you know, you don't necessarily want to to invest into like hardware and like cameras and all that stuff just do audio mm -hmm. and uh you know th there are so many also like little quirky tools that will create your um like will make a little video out of your audio uh that you could also post on linkedin um that anything's possible right you don't really have to start with the video and you don't really have to invest a lot of money in, into this. So yeah, what about you? Like, um, just judging by the tools that you mentioned, uh, I feel like it's it's a very professional setup, but what's your opinion on like semi-professional, just, you know, beginners uh, with a podcast? Like what what could they use? What, what are your favorite tools that you could recommend? I mean, there's only, a, there's, only a, there's relatively few tools that you, you actually need like to get a podcast um, off the ground. I mean, obviously you need a microphone, um, you need headphones, you need recording software, editing software and hosting software. And so let's just break those down. A microphone, probably the, the biggest upfront investment you're gonna have to make. Um, this is a Blue Yeti, like it's by no means a like all-star like microphone it's pretty bog standard um as far as as far as microphones go particularly for professional podcasts um you can pick it up you know at a, a at any kind of major electronic store certainly here in the uk um for around 120 30 pounds there are cheaper mics for many um years i used a samsung q2u um for b2b better which cost about 70 pounds and i often got complimented on the quality of the sound i just think with a microphone you just want it to be better than you know recording directly into your into your laptop you know you, you do need something to to like a microphone to record into headphones are fine but you know ideally you get something like a like a q2u or, or a blue yeti as a, as a starter mic headphones airpods or, or kind of any headphones that kind of connect directly into your device with, with it with a headphone jack um they're, they're totally fine. Um, recording software, Zoom is a good place to start if you didn't want to invest in particular software. However, I think tools like the one that we're using today, Riverside, is good bang for your buck, considering that I think it's around $20 a month and it gives you a bunch of kind of enhanced features that you'll get over something like Zoom. But again, if you just want to prove the concept, using what you've got already at your disposal is totally fine. Editing software, I used GarageBand for, for years um, to edit episodes of B2B Better, which is free on a Mac book or Mac. We now, obviously, with the agency, use tools like Descript, Adobe Audition, Premiere Pro, 
um, just because, you know, the demands that we have are slightly greater than when I was just running the podcast on my own. But GarageBand is a good place to start and it's free. And then hosting software, um, and this is obviously, you know, what I mean by hosting is to get the podcast uploaded into the directories, Apple and Spotify um, and others. You can do it manually with an RSS feed, but I mean, I would just spend the 13 pounds or something it is to get Buzzsprout, um, where it's simply a case of uh, uploading your your recording into Buzzsprout, hitting publish, and then it gets put out there across across all the different platforms. Those are the only things you you need to get started. And from that point, you can start layering in better equipment, better software, um, better processes to kind of continue elevating the podcast and taking it to, to taking it to the next level. But I think I worked it out that the annual cost to get just like an MVP podcast off the ground in terms of tools, equipment, um, was around the kind of 350 to 400 pound mark. Um, and that was for the entire year. So like with annual licenses for these things. So it, it doesn't need to be a hugely costly endeavor to, to get started. Yeah, absolutely. I'm there with you. Uh, I'm using Descript, which is absolutely great. Riverside also um, fell in love with it a year ago, and now they have so many more features and it's getting easier uh, to just uh, edit everything here on, on Riverside. But I can, I'm hooked on Descript as well, so I can get off. And RSS um, is, is what I'm using to, to upload the, the episodes. So yeah, definitely. I think, I think you're right. It, it is about like 300, 400 bucks uh, per year if, if we're talking a uh, yearly subscription. So yeah, podcast is not very costly, but it's just, you know, you have to um, take into account just the amount of work and hours that you're putting there. But yeah, I also wanted to ask you about the strategy, right? Because uh, you reposted um, the event on your page saying that, you know, 99.9, I guess, percent <laughs> of, uh, of companies, B2B companies that launch a podcast don't really have a strategy for it. And that really sucks. Uh, so how would you recommend, you know, going about it? Like how to start thinking about the strategy for a podcast, because I think for, for quite a few people, it's just, you know, it's another piece of content that, that you put out there. It's very challenging to, to track the ROI on it, like any other content piece. So it's just out there, you know, it's for brand awareness. So it will work or it won't we'll see by the i don't know the views the downloads um so to kind of eliminate this way of going after it with like oh you know <laughs> let's just throw it and uh, see if it sticks uh but rather you know applying some kind of strategy to it mm and yeah, I think, you know, I was being a little bit um, tongue in cheek with the 99.9% of B2B companies don't have a strategy. But I, I would say that, you know, it's certainly a large proportion of um, at least the, uh, uh, you know, brands I, I speak to who have launched podcasts, you know, maybe they have a general idea on what they want to do, but they haven't really stepped back and thought strategically around, okay, how's this podcast going to allow me to achieve this, this, this chosen objective? or indeed even thought about what that objective is in the first place. And as we've talked about, that's where you need to start. It's, it's what is the goal of this thing? Um, and usually that goal should be created in collaboration with other functions outside of the marketing team, right? Because, you know, particularly in the kind of companies we work with, um, where marketing is more of an enablement function within an organization as opposed to a kind of direct driver of, of revenue just due to you know sales cycles complex buying committees complex value propositions you know small windows of sales opportunity etc like marketing just going into a room on their own and saying hey we're going to launch a podcast and here's what we're going to use to measure it by like unless you've got that buy-in from your executive team from your sales team around okay Here's the here's the desired outcome. Here's how we're going to get to that to that outcome 
through leveraging a podcast and here's why this is the right decision versus you know using our limited budget on another channel you're going to really struggle because as soon as you start doing the first few episodes that get single to double digit download numbers people are going to be looking at that and saying well like look we told you so it doesn't work but then that fails to take into account you know like any of this really important stuff right around like who is our target customer you know, who's our target listener for example you know we work with a show that services the um biotech sector and specifically you know heads of data within that sector and so we've launched a podcast for them you know it's a show that's quite technical in nature it does deep dives on the application of data science in the field of biotechnology and healthcare the episodes are quite long about 60 minutes or so and so you know that is never a show that's going to get huge download numbers but because the the marketing team the the executive team the sales team got together and they defined collaboratively okay here's the outcome which is to just create content that speaks to this particular audience and use the show to reach this very particular audience um through the interviews themselves and through our distribution we don't need to see massive download numbers to measure success right in fact the more important metric for us over downloads is the average listen listen rate you know like you know what is the average consumption rate if we're getting 100 downloads but those 100 downloads are listening to 85% of the episode that's really good because it shows that like a hundred really relevant people who care a lot about the application of data science and biotech have stuck with us for almost an hour you know in this like really deeply technical interview based series and so that's a higher that's a better measure of success and so yeah understanding what is the outcome is is the beginning of any great strategy then it's about um an evaluation of resources so like what do we have at our disposal that's going to allow us to create a show um and where are those gaps because you may have the idea like you may have the outcome in mind you may have the idea like here's what we want to talk about here's who we're going to interview but then if you don't have an audio editor a video editor a graphic designer a copywriter um a producer like all of all of it's for nothing because all it will ever be is an idea right and maybe you'll get a couple of episodes out through the door it will be too much effort and then it will just fail because you kind of churn out of this of the process because it's just too much on top of everything else that you've got currently going on so outline your objectives understand your resources and what gaps exist then you move on to the development of a compelling premise a compelling show and this requires like a really deep understanding of your target customer your target audience um it's natural for people to default to doing an interview based series and i think that is a good starting place if you're launching a podcast but you know if you're in something like martech or sales tech like doing another show where you're interviewing top marketing and sales leaders about topics that they've already spoken about a thousand times on a bunch of other podcasts that look and sound exactly like you isn't going to really move the needle in any in any way and so you need to think about you know what is our premise what is what is the topic that we're covering and what is the hook that is going to allow us to differentiate this uh, you know the discussion of this topic in in the wider market um so that hook could be something like a big idea it could be a way of viewing the world or this particular problem it could be a, a format mechanism you know we're not going to do we're going to do an interview series but we're then going to you know um bring in other perspectives from from these different places and we're going to apply them all into one episode um you know whatever it is but yeah develop the premise and that comes through through a deep understanding of your customers and your target listeners and so really those are the three pillars that you want to be looking at when um developing a strategy it's what is the outcome of your podcast what resources do we have uh, at our disposal and where can we plug in the gaps to begin delivering that podcast and what is the premise that we're going to be covering and why should people give a shit about it amongst all the other content that's competing for their attention yeah absolutely oh i i really love that i think um well this is this is kind of a great advice to to look at it from like a broader perspective not just you know another piece of content that you're putting out there seeing if it sticks but just kind of also understanding how much work it is and how much more 
or for, you know, for the lack of a better word, better uh, opportunity you have to actually talk to your customers or potential customers or your audience. Uh, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's a great opportunity to just like put your CEO or CTO or whoever it is uh, in front of the camera and actually talk to, to people you want to talk to. So, yeah, I, I think that's, uh, that's a great kind of, I don't want to say hack because I want to ask about hack next <laughs> because that's, that's what I usually do. Um, so yeah, if you could share uh, a hack, well, maybe something that works for you because B2B Better podcast is working for you guys. And yeah, something that worked in order um, to move the needle, in order to for it to be um, monetizable and to bring revenue uh, to the mm -hmm. company, is there anything? Or don't tell me there is no hack. <laughs> oh, no, there's definitely. Well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call them hacks, but just kind of like best practices or, or kind of, you know, sure. things to maybe think about that, you know, fall outside perhaps the the kind of you know the basics of of, of launching and, and running running a podcast um a couple of things immediately jump to mind you know guest guest booking is is often a challenge a pain point for a lot of the shows that we start working with how are we going to get people convinced to come on to the show particularly if we're a startup and like we don't really have any profile to speak of already um and so with that being said i think starting with your immediate network um you know, going into your first and second connections on LinkedIn and saying, okay, we understand what our premise is. We understand the kind of topics that we want to explore, who within our immediate friendly network is going to be willing to kind of get on to a camp, get, on, get, get behind a microphone and talk about those things is, is often a good place to start. Um, remember, you will look back at your first few episodes, whether you've done 10, 100, 1,000, and you'll think they were terrible. Like it's just, it's the way, it's the way things go. Um, and so, you know, getting those kind of early reps in with people who are friendly faces and perhaps a little bit more forgiving um, is not only good practice, but also it starts allowing you to build a bit of a portfolio, a body of work that you can then point to and start trying to use to attract kind of higher profile, like non-immediate network guests. So that's, that's where I think you should start. Um, further to that, we make it a, a practice of ours every time we interview someone on B2B Better or indeed any of our client shows. Part of the workflow is once the interview has been published, we will then follow up with that person and we will ask them to make a recommendation of another future guest. And so we get that referral effect. And that's a really great way of unlocking some of those higher profile, bigger profile names. If you can kind of um, get a warm introduction through a guest that you've already had on the show and use that to kind of land, you know, a bigger guest that maybe you don't have a pre-existing relationship with, you're going to greatly maximize your chances of getting them booked and confirmed than you would if you just did some cold outreach. Uh, cold outreach can work though. You know, we, as part of our offering, you know, we do a lot of guest research and guest, guest booking um, for our clients, particularly if you're targeting a niche, like it, it does phenomenally well. Um, you know, again, using this biotech example I mentioned earlier, um, we we reached out to a bunch of people within the space, not really having huge hopes that many of them were going to get back to us. But because the subject matter is so specific um, and the target guests that we reached out to were such subject matter experts in that, in that subject, um, it was actually relatively easy to convert them, right? Because, you know, it was just so aligned with everything they talked about and thought about on a day-to-day -day basis. They were excited to come onto the show and do so. Um, so that's something I'd say about guest booking. I think in terms of a production hack, you know, people go to tools like Descript and they look at tools like the automatic like filler word removal feature and like shorten gap clips feature as like, oh great, this is gonna allow me to like greatly reduce the amount of time I'm spending actually editing the episode. I was exactly like that when I was doing B2B better. It was only when I started doing this for the agency, podcast for the agency that I realized at scale, it actually probably adds more time to the process than it does take it away. And so I wouldn't get too sucked into the trap of just hitting the remove filler word feature and then great, you know, episodes ready to go. What I've noticed is that 
it removes a certain kind of naturalness to the conversation and it can be a little bit jarring and uncomfortable to listen to. And so better actually just to be more selective of the filler words and the ums and ahs that you're removing as you're going through the edit rather than like carte blanche, just take them all out and then try and like retroactively put them back in. So just some food for thought. And then on the distribution side, um, don't underestimate the value of tools like Apollo in running like one-to-one, one-to-few campaigns with the podcast as the, as the core, the kernel of those outreach prospecting campaigns. Um, it's a service that we offer here at B2B Better. You know, yes, we do social media. Yes, we do email uh, blogs. Um, the real value that we can help unlock from a commercial perspective is working with sales teams in developing um, prospecting sequences that allow the that that um, use the podcast content as the as the core um, uh, as the core message like of those of those sequences. If you're interviewing ten members of your ICP for your show, repackage that into a, a prospecting sequence. Fire it out using a tool like Apollo. Hey, we just interviewed CTO of Fortune 500 company about these three challenges. You're a CTO of Fortune 500 company who has these challenges. You should definitely listen to this episode, right? And maybe come onto our show and talk a little bit about what your thoughts are, like in response. Um, again, coming back to this idea of like creating moments with a podcast across the enterprise sales cycle, it's a more natural, softer, like value add experience than simply just trying to like bombard a CTO of a Fortune 500 company with cold sales emails in the hopes that they eventually agree to go for coffee with you. And so those are kind of like three hacks across, you know, development, production and distribution that immediately came to mind. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. I mean, I absolutely am there with you about editing. Never, never, never (laughs) just remove all of them because it's just so unnatural. It's just like you're talking to Chad GPT or something. Uh, Sounds really unnatural. Uh, about cold emails, they do work. I mean, it worked uh, quite well for us. And you're right. Like for example, for me, I did reach to to the immediate kind of network, which was not very big at the moment. So we did quite a few episodes um, with you know people people we knew, but. Oh, and those are sad. I mean, I look back and I just <laughs> rewatched a few <laughs> uh, first episodes and I was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, then actually I, I started because there was something to show for it. I started reaching out uh, with a cold email and that worked because you already had some leverage there. Um, about distribution. Yeah, I mean, Social media is kind of the best um, the best way for us to, to distribute. And also uh, what I found really helpful uh, in terms of distribution, it also works um, in terms of getting you new uh, podcast guests is when you see on social media, you know, a post that's relevant and the, to something that you were talking about on um, an episode, uh, what I would sometimes even do, I would go back to Riverside and I would immediately like create, because it takes like 30 seconds, right? Create a short that would somehow be aligned with um, with the post. And if that's a founder that I really want to interview, I would just drop it there in the comments and say, hey, you know, we just talked about this with this person. I love your perspective. Like, do you want to come to the podcast? This is what they said. And, you know, I kind of want to ask the same question. So that worked really, really well. So, and it's kind of another way to repurpose, um, repurpose your podcast. So yeah, I guess that's my little hack. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Jason, I think I think you shared great hacks and great ways to like, build strategy and uh, the ways the podcast could actually work for companies because, yeah, some people just go at it as, you know, 
as something that they would just try out and probably lose interest in after like a couple of episodes because hey you know we're still in single digits no one's listening to this like no one really needs it podcasts don't work or you know uh they realize it's so much work that they don't really have the resources to allocate to this and again they drop mm -hmm. it so um yeah thanks for kind of bringing the reality to this uh i think that's really um <laughs> that's really important to to just remember how much yeah how much work how much of resources and investment you have to uh get there before it starts working yeah, no, real pleasure coming on. And um, if anyone is interested in learning more about, you know, B2B podcasting, you can just drop me a DM on LinkedIn at any time. Um, I have a bright yellow profile picture. It's, it's, a hard, it's hard to miss me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd be keen to kind of like pick this back up. So yeah, thanks very much for having me. Sure, absolutely. Anytime. And uh, yeah, this is going to be uh, a bonus episode on Plus and Bound, right? So we're adding a bit more uh, content there, uh, a bit more knowledge sharing and hopefully value. So um, check it out next Saturday. And yeah, thanks again for your time. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Thank you. That was yet another awesome conversation on Sass and Bound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders, and if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS Group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.